trigger warning, people. Trigger warning. This is the My Sister Said podcast, and I'm your host, Uche Amaneke. If you know me from my YouTube channel, you know that I'm all about that active faith life. But I also know trusting God with your Sunday through Saturday and your eternity, it takes practice. So in this podcast, I am diving deeper. We are going to be talking about everything from spiritual abuse to a biblical view on twerking. Yes, our faith is not just religion, it's real life. This is what community looks like, people. Hello, it's Iche. Welcome back to the My Sister Said podcast. And um, today I'm excited because it's the first episode of my new my segment that I'm really excited about. It's called Faith Interrupted, Christians Going Through Crap and Dealing With Stuff. And I just want a really practical title for this segment, and I think this does it. And today is our first episode from this segment, and it's um, about suicidal ideation, suicidal thoughts, and how Christians deal with that. Disclaimer, I'm, I'm going to rant at the end of this podcast episode, okay? I am, because <laughs> this is really important to me. I really wanted to explore this top topic because um, in on February 1st of 2020, it was a Saturday, I had what was probably the darkest day of my entire life so far and really seriously consider taking my life. Um, for this episode, I'm actually, I didn't really do a lot of work pre-recording it or preparing for it just because I didn't want to sit in this for a long time. So um, forgive me if it's going to be all over the place. I tried to organize it a little bit, but so anyways, just to kick this episode off, I really wanted to um, just, I guess, tell you guys a story. So a small baby story. Um, so one of my one of my friends, I met her at church in this um, in this group called Region Regeneration. It's kind of like a 12 step program that helps Christians with any kind of sin struggle. Awesome program. My fave. So anyways, I was talking to her and she's someone who deals with um reoccurring suicidal thoughts, reoccurring suicidal ideation. So when she told me this, <laughs> she kind of made me laugh. She was like, yeah, I mean, she's like, I kind of get annoyed when I tell people this and they're like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, you suffer from that. She's like, And she's like, yeah, I've suffered from that all my life. I've dealt with it all my life. It's one of my sin struggles. And she's like, I don't like when people freak out about it. And I was like, well, why? Well, well it's a pretty big deal. She's like, um, honestly, God says the wages of all sin is death. So God's word says that. So I wish people would have that same reaction about all their sin struggles because it only leads to one thing. I, I get, I guess I get it, people's extreme reaction to it, but it's not worse than any other sin. It's not something that um, God can't overcome. And I was like, girl, you're onto something. You know, people have shame or even I had shame about coming forward and telling my, um, you know, telling anybody about what I was dealing with during that time. But um, I just love her mindset. I think it's completely correct. And that's why when I'm doing this, I mean, doing this episode, I just want to tell anyone who has had those thoughts, who has who has those reoccurring thoughts that this is something, first of all, that God can overcome. Second of all, this is cray cray normal and normal in the fact that every single Christian has thoughts that dishonor God. 
every single Christian has thoughts that are not of God. And I just want to do away with the shame associated with having a sin struggle. Just because it's not talked about a lot does not mean it's, you know, it's, um, it's worse or it's something that God can't overcome or something um, like, I don't know, more extreme. So that's what I wanted to start off with. And uh, I'm actually not sure of the format for this segment because this is my first episode. So today I'm just going to go ahead and interview myself <laughs> and see how this works. <laughs> so hopefully it doesn't annoy anybody, but I didn't want to just straight up tell my story because there's a couple you know, parts of this. Um, I think I'm going to divide this into two parts. Um, just kind of a way to like kind of talk about the subject, talk about suicidal thoughts, and then also talk about how to help someone in your life that has suicidal thoughts or um, what role that Christians can play in um, the lives of people we care about or the lives of anybody who has, who struggle with suicidal thoughts or ideation. Okay. All right. So we're just going to go ahead and jump in. Okay. So I'll start with why do you think this is an important topic? to share. So I think this is a very important topic to share now, especially honestly, because, um, because of the time of the year, the darkest period of my life happened during one of the happiest times of the year. It was about to be springtime. There were hella engagements and people announcing where they got into school and people announcing pregnancies. And it was warming up, you know, everyone wanting to start hanging out together it was a pretty exciting time of the year. But for me during this time, I had lost my job. I had, you know, broken up with my boyfriend a like, couple months earlier. I had, I did not have any money because I could not get unemployment because my boss had lied about me. And then <clears throat> I was also dealing with rejection from the professional schools that I had, I had um, applied to. And, and I already felt kind of worthless. I felt kind of like, awful because I was living with my parents after losing my job. And I was like, Oh my God, what is my life? I don't have a job. I'm living with my parents. I'm almost 30. No, I already turned 30. I'm 30. I'm not married. I have no kids. I'm like, Oh my gosh, what is my life? And, and I'm saying that now as someone who understands that my life is worth more than those things. And that that's not, those are not the reason why I'm put on this earth, but um, I'll talk about that later. And so I'm not going to lie, I'm a little bit scared right now because it's also the most wonderful time of the year. It's Christmas and New Year's and Valentine's Day. It's right after this. And while people are celebrating and there's lights and there's presents and there's joy and there's family, on the other end of that spectrum, there's also joblessness, people facing eviction, people just food and having food insecurities. People are just in positions that of dire need and in you know sadness and worry and loneliness and so I think it's important to talk about suicidal ideation especially amongst believers who for me I think there can be some type of shame and like you know like okay you're not trusting God enough that's why or you're not um you're not praying enough and if anyone was in the same position I was in during the happiest time of the year, I am very worried that people are going to be going through the same thing and um, think that 
taking their life or harming themselves is the only way out of this situation. So I want to speak up about it, especially for believers, you know, just to remind everyone that this is not abnormal to feel this way, but that God can still work, but that God can still work the situation and God can, God still has work in your life to do. Um, he said he put good works in front of us. And I truly believe that the only one that wins if you harm yourself is Satan and he don't need no W's. He doesn't need no wins. So do not cut your life short. <laughs> I don't know another better time to do this. I just think it's worth very worth talking about. Just so no one thinks that they're alone in this. All right. And so I guess this brings me to my second question, which is what surprised you most about this ordeal? Oh, that's a great question, Uche. One of the most surprising things was the role social media played. And honestly, I expected that social media will make someone feel like they're comparing lives or someone feel like they're, you know, less than or having more or being envious of other people's lives and what they see on social media and Facebook and Instagram. But for me, that wasn't the case. What got me, what really got me was the feeling of loneliness, that no one else was going through what I was going through that everyone's life was just, they couldn't relate to what was happening with me, that there was so much joy and that I was just going to be a Debbie Downer, bringing them all the joy down. And that's what got me. And that's why I usually isolated or try to hide what I was going through um, from everybody except for my CG. But I tried not to bring it up all the time with, even with them. And so I think that's what got me and surprised me was the, the, the loneliness that I felt because I felt like no one could relate. And that isolation, it just breeds more insecurities and more withdrawals from reality and just more kind of selfishness. Um, and not in a mean way, but just, you know, just only thinking about myself and not considering what, considering that someone else could be going through what I'm going through or possibly could relate to reach out. So, um, and so what role does my faith play in this? You know what? I'm going to answer that question last. Okay. Um, but okay. So what was the scariest part of having suicidal thoughts? I think the scariest part for me was how they seemed to come out of nowhere. And, and also what triggered them? Because I, as I said before, I had gone through all this stuff with my job and finances, right? But the thing that pushed me over the edge, which I'm so kind of like, I guess kind of like ashamed of and kind of embarrassed of, this um, happened on February 1st of 2020. It was a Saturday. I woke up on Saturday. Uh, Saturday was like around 8 a.m. I woke up to an email that had said that my account, my bank account had been overdrafted. And I woke up and I was like, wait, what? I don't remember anything like that. Like I didn't have anything, but I was like, oh crap. It was the first Saturday was the first. That means they took out on Friday. So I uh, looked at my account and my account was overdrawn by $186 and 26 cents. Remember that amount? Cause it sucked. <laughs> And so I just looked at my bank account and I just started just crying. And uh, 
I guess two things technically pushed me over the edge. I had texted my siblings a couple of days earlier. And again, I'm a little embarrassed to say this out loud because I'm like, I know my siblings love me, but this is still real. And I wanted to not hold anything back. So my siblings, I texted my siblings a couple of weeks earlier and asked them, hey, could you guys pitch in and help me while I'm not having a job and while I need finances? Because I just need, have a couple bills that I need to pay. Um, and so um, so I was just I had texted my siblings and then I looked back at those text messages and I realized like they had never texted me back. Um, one of them had, but the other two had not. And that crushed my spirit. And I was like, oh, my God. I really am alone in this. I'm alone. I have nothing. I just overdrafted my account. I can't count on anybody. I am, I felt alone. And so at that point, I kind of shut down a little bit and I was like, you know what I'm going to do? The best thing I can think of is I just need to clean my room. And then I think I'm just, I think I just gonna, I'm gonna end my life today. Yeah. Because if I truly am alone, there's nothing really left for me here. And this is just me being completely honest. Those are the thoughts that came to my head. I was like, well, I didn't want my mom to find my body and I don't want her to also have to deal with cleaning my room because it was a mess. And I was like, okay, let me just do that for her. And, um, Sorry, this is why I didn't want to like dwell on this too much because it sucks. <laughs> but um, and so the only thing I could think to do, I was like, let me just text somebody. I mean, let me I just like, let me reach out to my friend, Karen um, and community. So I just want to reach out to one of my friends in my community. And I just texted her. I said, um, I'm seriously considering killing myself today. It just seems like a really good idea. And she's someone who doesn't really text back all the time. So I thought like, okay, well, I texted someone, I let someone know, and let me just clean my room and just be done with this. So, um, so that's where I was on Saturday morning around 9am. I still have those text messages and it's so crazy. I don't, I don't want to look back at them. Um, but anyway, so that was probably the scariest part that that's, that's what drove me like, an overdraft and an un an unreplied to text message flipped a switch in my head after all the things I had gone through, losing my job, just not knowing where my next paycheck was coming, all that stuff did not get me. And the one thing that pushed me over the edge was that. And so that was probably the scariest part. And the part I want to like, just warn anybody who's like, Oh no, we're okay. I'm good. I'm good. You don't even know what's going to set you off. You have no idea. Like, you know, the thought had not entered my mind up until that point. So the thought of taking my life. So I would say anybody be cautious because <laughs> the stuff is real. So next question is, what is, what was the most discouraging part of my whole ordeal? I would say the most discouraging part was the fact that I could not feel God. God was the furthest thing from my mind. Praying was the furthest thing from my mind. In that moment, I could not see God. I could not feel God. The only reaching out I felt able to do was to reach out to my friend, Karen. And so Karen is one of the people I was closest to. And so that's why I texted her. 
but she's also one of the people that doesn't really <laughs> text back <laughs> all the time. So that's why I texted her too. So, um, but that was probably the most discouraging part because people might say like, Hey, make sure you pray, make sure you, you know, pray and sing a song, put on worship. That was literally the furthest thing from my mind. I could not, I guess the other discouraging part is that I could not see past today, that day. I couldn't see past anything, not taking a nap, not eating a meal. Only I could see was let me clean my room and end my life and then we'll be golden. That's all I want to do. So the next question is, what helped you the most during that situation? So what helped me the most? What also kind of surprised me also um, was my, my friend Karen, actually, she called me. She got my text messages and she called me. Um, she, you know, asked me what was going on and what triggered my response what triggered my, um, my thoughts of suicide. And I told her I was so embarrassed. I told her, I was like, Hey, my account got overdrafted by this much money. And she was like, what? I was like, yeah, my account got drafted over this, this money. And then my sisters didn't respond back to my, my text messages. I'm just, I'm just so done with always, there's always something. I feel like it's never ending. And she was like, she just said, I will send you the money. And I was like, no, like, why would you send the money? She's like, what the hell? What do you mean? No, you would do the same thing for me. And I cried so hard. <laughs> she like just zelled me right there, sent me that money. And I was like, what? I just started crying. And she's like, this is nothing compared to your life. And she met that need for me. She's like, do I need to send you gas money so you can come drive and come over? Or do I need to come over to you and blah, blah, blah. Um, so that was something that really helped me. Um, in that moment, she did two very real things for me. One of the things I was most upset about with my siblings for not answering was I was like, Hey, I would not do that to them. I would make sure that they were okay. And I've helped them if they had asked me to do that for them. And the fact that she told me like, you would do that for me in an instant. That's who you are. I felt known by her. And then just to meet that need, that was like something she didn't have to do. She could have just sent me a verse and just said, I'll pray for you. I'm praying with you, blah, blah, blah. But she's like, she met that need. And then she also, the third thing she did was she also started reading me straight up scripture. Um, and it's something that I didn't know that I needed. It was about like, it was probably a 30 minute phone call. But after we hung up, I still, of course, had these thoughts and I was still really down and I texted her. I was like, um, I texted her. I said, it's like 10 2 AM. I said, what's that verse, please. I feel like I need to keep reading it. Today is going to be tough. Those thoughts aren't going away. Oh man. I want to cry. <laughs> she, um, and so wonderful. She was not cliche at all. Uh, she didn't text me like cast all your anxieties to God or he cares for you. She didn't text me anything about, you know, anything, just anything, I don't know, more cliche about the plans that God has for me, nothing. Like he, she didn't text me any of that stuff. And I don't know why that means so much to me, but it does. And I'm going to read to you the verse that she sent me that day and try not to freaking cry my eyes out. Okay. So she sent me a uh, Mary song. She sent me Luke one, 
verse 46 through 55. It says, And Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things for me in his holy name. Slide. I didn't want to go too deep in this, but um, he said, she says, continuing at verse 50, his mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their innermost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things. He has set the rich, sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful, and Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. And as she read that, like just kind of looking at the mind frame that, that fear and unknown that Mary was in, you know, in that moment, she could not, she, she didn't see God in front of her. All she had was faith. And that's all she had to rely on was just who God was and what God has done in her life previously and what God promised and understanding God's faithfulness. And so I can easily answer what has God shown you through this? And how did this, how did this impact your view of God? You know, a lot of Christians talk about being the hands and feet of Jesus and talk a lot, talk about the body of Christ, the family of Christ. So in this moment where I know I could not see God, I could not feel God. My friend Karen, dude, she like she was truly in this moment that day when she was truly the hands and feet of Jesus. I saw God so clearly through my friend Karen. <laughs> this is why my podcast is so important to me is because Karen was in my community group, community group. I've known her for the past four years. I want this podcast to my YouTube channel group, whatever. I want it to be a community that we can talk about everything. I want, I want community for everyone. I want authenticity. I want that for everyone because it is such a beautiful gift. So just brace yourself. This is the rant that I warned you about. Okay. If you know anything about what I've been going through with my church and um, the spiritual abuse that I've had there and all these things that are going on, I want to clear one thing up. Um, there is this blog that's gone around um, and people talk about all these things about community groups and having to reveal all these things, like, you know, confess their sins and reveal their finances to their community group and reveal all these, you know, their sin struggles and personal information to their community group. Like saying that as if it's a bad thing, if it's an awful thing, it's an intrusive thing. It might be intrusive a little bit, right? But there is something so special, so otherworldly about being fully known by someone and really them loving you for who you are. That's just a very godlike quality. God knows us and he still loves us. 
we're awful. We suck. We have to make so many mistakes. We hurt people. We hurt ourselves. And he knows that and he still loves us and pursues us. I will never, ever condemn being fully known by a community group, especially a community group of Christians who love God, cherish his word. Because for the past four years, I had been practicing to confess to my community group, taught, had the hard conversations, talked about my finances, my financial goals, um, talked about the things that brought me shame, um, physical relationships with boys, how I'm scared, how I've sinned, how I've hurt other people, how I've hurt my community. I have so much practice in talking about the small things with them, not the service level, but the deep things, my ADHD diagnosis, my failures, my insecurities, every single thing. I've had so much practice talking about those small things. So when it came to, I'm sorry. So when it came to reaching out to my CG and telling them and telling her, I would be telling her that I had overdrafted $180 and I couldn't afford that amount. Embarrassment, embarrassment did not keep me from revealing that information. Shame did not stop me from revealing that or telling her I wanted to end my life. And thank God I practiced with that. I would not be here if I had not practiced that. And praise God, she was trustworthy with that information. So authenticity, sharing my finances, sharing the small things, you know, God's word says like he who is faithful with little will be faithful with a lot. And I am so grateful that, you know, I was faithful with the little things with my community group, because when it came to saving my life, CG came through came through with God's word in the best possible way. So yeah, that's my little rant. So I have no chill for anyone that condemns authenticity and community group that condemns sharing your finances. Who gives a damn? If you can't talk about $180, you can't talk about $20,000 of debt that will crush someone's life. So authenticity is where it's at. The truth is where it's at. I believe in that so much. And I saw that so clearly in this situation. Because, you know, just telling someone to speak up is ridiculous, especially when they've had no practice. So I just encourage anyone to start practicing honesty, the small things. And it'll get better, easier, so that when the big stuff happens, you will have a place to go. Thank you so much for joining me. Remember, if you can, please rate and review this podcast. I would really appreciate it. And um, I miss you so much already. And I will talk to you next time. Bye.